but I did reach a point where, you know, I always in the back of my mind wanted something more. I wanted to have a business of my own. And I think you just get comfortable. And I had three kids and a mortgage and all of the things. And it was scary. And so I kind of put it on the back burner, to be completely honest. And then I think as I approached 40, I, I was like, holy shit, where did the time go? Hey, and welcome back to Herspective. Before we get started, I want to fact check you. Okay. Because you <laughs> oh told a lie on <laughs> last episode. Where do we start with that? <laughs> so last week you said that Drake is opening a dispensary. He is not. He is partnering with Canopy. And it... What is the thing? Yeah, ask me for the facts. Yeah, Sorry, no. well, you know the facts, but I knew that he wasn't opening a dispensary. So wait, what is it? Did I say it wrong? Um, yes. No, he's just partnering with Canopy Growth on opening a dispensary. And and they are working out of Scarborough's uh, existing Canopy facility. Super awesome. Scarborough, what up? Scarborough's our hood. Do the sound. No, I will not. <laughs> Do the Scarborough sound. I don't even know how. I know, it's so embarrassing. No, okay. <laughs> nope. That's... Scarborough people know it, but if you do it from with anyone from anywhere else, they're like, what, what's your mouth doing right if now? You're, if you're <laughs> white as you are yeah. with red hair, it's yeah. unacceptable. Again, what does the red hair have to do with it? Because <laughs> you just, you can't do it. It's Makes just me enough. more white? Yeah. Like, I guess, okay, fair. I don't care. I don't care that you had a braid up back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? It Your white shiny scalp must yeah. have come through. <laughs> it's the same color as the rest of my skin because I'm that white. I'm virgin white skin. <laughs> Snow white. Anyways, it is. I'm sure you find it too. Do you know, do people not say to you, "I know you're from Scarborough"? Yeah. What is it though? I don't know. Like I really pride myself on being like educated, mature. Like no? until you go. Bra, bra. Yeah. It's so, Ew, I hate it. <laughs> so embarrassing. No, um, yeah, I've been stopped before, and actually, other people I know from Scarborough have also been stopped and by a stranger, and like, because they've heard them talking or they just mannerisms, whatever, and they're like, "Are you from Scarborough?" And they're like, "Yeah, how did you know that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I can just tell." So obviously, it's something that we do or it's how something. we carry ourselves. Yeah, it's some, it, you know what it was. I had this debate with a colleague. Because at my last job, the first day, my bosses stopped me mid-conversation. You know, and it's my first day. I don't think I have ever been more professional than in that moment. And he was like, um, you're from Scarborough? And I'm like, pardon? He's like, I, I think I can tell that you're from Scarborough. I'm like, bro, what do you know? And then you said, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, but a colleague was explaining to me, it's it's the edge and then especially if I have a bevy and then, God forbid, somebody does something to irritate me, Scarborough comes right the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Out. That's that's always the case. Any <laughs> drinks equals our Scarborough shows. Mature education out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Straight Scarborough. Bitches from Scarborough. <laughs> and anybody that we know that's also from Scarborough, they know exactly what we're talking about. Other oh, people, yeah. maybe oh, not, yeah. but yeah. Well, no, other people have been like, oh, yes, I did meet that person from Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> Anyways, we, yeah, we can hold our own. 
<laughs> yeah, but speaking of Scarborough, our guest today is a Scarborough native. I know, and I love how she waited to the very end to tell us this. Like, I know. start with that always, folks. Anyone from Scarborough, it's it's a connection thing. We should have known beforehand. Yeah, we should have. We should have. But you yeah. know, yeah, we couldn't spot her. Mm, no, she's been away for too long. Yeah, she <laughs> she's definitely still professional. Yeah, she got that memo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, she's from Scarborough. Um, super interesting story. I mean, this girl's been through a lot and has, you know, risen up and, you know, overcome. Yeah, she really is such an inspiration. Um, the guest is Natalie James, the owner and founder of Vent Blow Dry Bar, which is located in Liberty Village. She is someone we have wanted to have on the show since we started as well. And we we're really excited that she was able to come and tell us her story. It is definitely one of some hardships, even some tragedy, um, you know, health issues, all things that she overcame and turned into something that gave her strength and motivation and also to become a motivator and like a, a beacon of hope and success. Yeah. yeah. And so we w can't wait for you guys to hear all about her because she's going to tell her story. And I think it's going to leave a lot of people feeling really good and motivated and, and knowing that they can overcome a lot of their struggles too. And it's not too late to change careers ever. The whole yeah. saying, you're, it's never too late or it's not too late and you're not too old. Um, I've been seeing like memes like that out there a lot lately and it's really true. And Natalie it decided to change careers midlife and she'll also tell you about that. But she started in politics and went into the beauty industry, which is completely different and she didn't have any experience in. So um, but before we get into chatting with Natalie, we want to talk a bit about a big upset in the Canadian. It uh, is an upset. <laughs> it's like tearing. I, in I Canada, <laughs> sorry, I should say in Canada. I wouldn't say it's tearing the country apart, but there are people coming out of the woodwork with all of their, you know, separate opinions on the matter. It's either one, like for or against the situation. And it's been surprising, um how much it's really affecting everyone. Yeah, and so in case whoever isn't aware, uh, Don Cherry has been fired from Sportsnet. Like due... breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, breaking news last week. Um, but it was upsetting because, you know, for me, I just felt it was due to like the cancel culture that we're in right now. And I'm not really saying I agree or disagree with what he said. My opinion on the matter is that he had a bad delivery with good intent. He was also speaking about something that he is very passionate about and has been since I can remember when I started watching Don Cherry. He's also been very pro-veterans and military and supporting our troops and things like that. And um, I think he just misspoke and it's been blown way out of proportion now. Yeah, you know what I like? I like your point on the fact that not focusing on directly what was said, because even though that is of importance, but our issue or, or our thoughts on the matter lie with the fact that he said something that, you know, may have been 
unfair or uneducated or, you know, inappropriate, inappropriate and might've offended. Well, I wouldn't say might've, it offended people. And he was, you know, literally fired on the spot for it. And it's, I don't know. I think it's just hard to have freedom of speech and things like that exercised when it happens and you're nailed to the cross for it basically. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying I agree with it either. Um, with what he said, I think like you said, he did not intend to offend or, or portray malice or anything like that. I think his, his main point was to stand up for what he believed in, which is the veterans and which is remembrance day as a whole. And that was where he was going with the poppy. You know, this is my interpretation of his points, obviously. But, yeah, I think it's crazy that he was so... Everyone's so mad about it. and Well, it just got spun, I think, a little bit too much. Like, it's being dug too deeply into, and people are just pulling out points that are really... I don't know if they really need to be discussed. Like, I think, again, going back to my point of this sort of being more about cancel culture, that's where my issue comes from. I know he was given the opportunity to apologize. He sort of was willing to, but then not the way that Sportsnet wanted him to. So whatever. And again, that's irrelevant. My opinion is it seems like we're not allowed to make mistakes anymore. Nobody can say anything incorrect. And I understand Don Cherry is a huge TV personality. He has a very, very large platform and has made other you know, considerably inappropriate comments in the past and over the years. Um, So maybe this was like his final straw and Sportsnet just said, we can't have you anymore. Um, Obviously, we don't know the inner workings of that, but I feel like we're just not allowed to make a mistake. You just can't say something. And have you ever said, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that and really truly meant it like that. Like I didn't mean that. And it just came out when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're passionate about something, like you say things. And it's just really unfortunate that, you know, such a Canadian personality has to go out on that negative note because of something that wasn't intended to be mean, malicious, racist, um, and I'm sure people disagree with that. People do think it was racist, malicious, whatever. Um, this is my opinion. I don't think it was. But anyway, I just think we have to be a little bit more accepting of people sometimes and just like being like, okay, well, that was a bit rude or that's not what should have been said. And let's move on. Like we don't need yeah. to pick it apart. Well, I think the thing, like you said, with a platform such as his being on Coach's Corner for, you know, several decades, that carries a lot of responsibility. Overall, this, his position is to discuss the game, hockey, but Don Cherry was entertaining people in Canada for many, many, many years based on his personality, his personality that is a bit abrasive and that is and his direct. reputation. Yeah, and direct. And that is his reputation. And I and that's why he had a fan base, a lot of it, because of the way he just spoke his mind and, you know, told it like it was. And yeah. he and it was almost laughable because he was ignorant. Well, that's how he is. And sometimes you have to find funny moments in ignorance. I don't know. Like I just I think that it just gets so many of these situations get blown out of proportion and it just spirals and it creates 
a really negative like culture and we we create something that wasn't necessarily there and instead of just sort of like being like okay well that was not good what he said or that could have been spoken about in a different way and moving on we just have to hone in and like pick it apart and pick it apart and get so angry and enraged and then like I was on Facebook and I saw a conversation happening about it in someone's thread and it turned into what is going on in China right now well that's the thing what they're they (laughs) people I'm not saying they, because nobody specifically, mm-hmm. like, that's my point. I'm also not, be careful. Yeah, I'm not saying anyone specifically, but I am saying sometimes these situations are, you know, labeled as hate and then fought with hate. So it's hate on exactly. hate, at which perpetuates hate. hate. So I don't think that's positive or a positive direction whatsoever, and... Unfortunately, it just, it carries on and keeps going like that. And here we are now. Like, like I said, I don't necessarily know if I agree how he delivered it. Um, I don't, wouldn't say that I, you know, maybe he deserved to be fired because he broke the camel's back with that last comment. Yeah. And then, and, and my thing is too, if you, you know, I personally, if I say something and I offend someone, I would be sad and upset that I offended someone. I yes, don't want to offend someone. So, Don, if you've offended people, maybe just apologize. Maybe that's your stance, and you can explain that further, but apologize then, because you did hurt people, if that's the case. But I think I still agree with the fact that it... Didn't have to culture. end. Yeah like, yeah, like your point on that, like I really do agree with it's hard to to have an opinion because somebody's going to be offended. By yeah, it. it doesn't matter what you say, what you do. There is going to always be somebody that gets offended or is hypersensitive to it. And fine, maybe it's triggers for those people. And I, like you said, you're not out here trying to offend anybody or hurt anybody. And if you do, you feel sorry for that. But at the same time, I think we still need to be allowed to just speak our minds. And if it's a issue that is... Like, there's an area for me to be educated on that I'm open to that. And that's what it also should come down to. Like, maybe it's too late for Don. He's 85 years old. Like, I'm sure he's not open to being. this is the first time. Yeah, exactly. But so. Don, you're a lost cause. Yeah. (laughs) Damn Don. God damn it, Don. (laughs) But yeah, the point is to wrap this whole segment up is that. Like, we just need to, I think, be a little bit more sensitive sometimes to the fact that people just are people and we make mistakes and we say things we don't mean and we don't always have to pick it apart to death and then create a whole other argument over something that was, for the most part, pretty minor. I agree. Like, I'm not out here trying to offend anybody either. And if you feel offended, then I'm open to learning and how I can correct that. But it's just like... We're just so hypersensitive to everything and yeah. but like, it, com- comedians can't be funny anymore. Like you can't, you know, it's yeah, just, and, it's going and too the far. The thing is if you're going to, if people are going to be sensitive about it, approach it with, I think, a more of a loving stance. Don't bring hate to hate if that's how you see it. If you see these comments as hate or you see things like that as hate, which is why you're offended, um, then I don't know. And and maybe the responsibility doesn't lie on one person to change it and be like, okay, you've hurt me, but it's now, like, I will show you the right way because I'm a good, I don't know, whatever. That's yeah, it. I know. That's it's, 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 it's a but. serious societal issue, but I, yeah. like, I think we're allowed to have an opinion and our opinion yeah. is 
There's too much cancel culture happening and no one's allowed to make mistakes anymore. Um, obviously, we're not talking about mistakes that are criminal or violent or anything like that. No. But we're just talking about like sometimes people misspeak and I think you shouldn't be crucified for that all the time and he's yeah. an entertainer and he's a tv personality and he's on there to entertain you and, and bring ratings bottom exactly line. he's bottom line exactly and so maybe he was plummeting ratings with his personality at this point um and sports well, in sports and in any case get rid of the bastard yeah no, and they made kidding. the executive decision <laughs> but and we're not um super educated on all of this anyway but we just wanted to share our opinion because we're canadian and you know it's it's too it's too bad at the end of the day it's too bad yeah, and and yeah, we are just trying to spread love and and not hate. So we're just also trying to bring a little bit of humor, you know, each week to everybody. Like we're gonna say yeah. things that are probably somewhat inappropriate, but we're not malicious and we're not hateful either. And we're just we're just trying to be people. Just trying to make it through the day, girl. Yeah. Us and Dawn. And speaking of humor, um, on our starting on our next show, we have something special coming up. It'll be a first time, a new segment. Some so we're segments, pretty, yeah. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. So hopefully everyone will stay tuned. It's going to be after um, we have our guest on. So Yeah, we'll tell you more about it yeah, next week for we sure. Will. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, without further ado, as we always say... <laughs> Really excited to have you here. Welcome, Natalie James. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's uh, been something that we've been trying to arrange for a little while, and mm -hmm. we finally got you. Yay, I'm Yay. excited. Welcome me to the, too. <laughs> welcome to the office studio. So chic. <laughs> so chic. Yes, we're like the mobile podcast recording people. We're in the studio, we're in the office, we've got lots of areas. <laughs> Yeah, just out on the street. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, whatever works. So we're really excited to hear your story because it's quite fascinating. Gone through a few different types of transitions and changes, and <laughs> transitions. <I know> you <laughs> like how you became a woman when you. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, no, but in your life, personally, uh, professionally, so. We want to hear all about it. Your stories are inspiring, and I think a lot of people are probably nervous to make any kind of changes, and I think after hearing what you have done might help people make the changes in their own life. So without further ado, please tell us your changes. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want me to start? Okay. You want me to well, go way back? You yeah. I think, I think it's... So you, you know, just to give some background, you started in career-wise politics, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And then you are now the owner of a really incredible beauty slash blow dry bar vent. And that is worlds different from politics to beauty. It's like not related whatsoever. No, so. you're right. You're right. So how did you get there and, and why? And how did you start with politics? I'm interested about that too. Okay, so I started in politics by accident, to be completely honest. I had been introduced through a friend, and it was a part-time job initially, and I absolutely fell in love with it. It was Amazing. just so exciting. There was, it was changing all the time. The energy was just amazing. And if you're not involved in politics, it's pretty, it's, I would say the staff, 
are pretty young. So it was, it was a great environment and I had some really amazing mentors that made it even better. What did you do exactly? Well, I started in the provincial scene and um, I started working for a member of provincial parliament. And then shortly after that, I got a job in the premier's office. So I did that. And then I worked on the campaign level as well. So after I think, I think it was about 2003, my first son was born and I decided that it was time to take a bit of a break because it's, it's not a nine to five job. Like when it's, campaign time you're go oh, go go yeah and it's like you you go from campaign to campaign and if you're elected you keep going if you're not well you don't <laughs> now how does that work so if you work in the premier's office and what if you know the conservatives are in then the liberals are in you still you're out work? of a job oh okay yeah so you're yeah. with that that now there are still members that can be elected but you might not be in government you might be the opposition so there's still work there's still jobs within the government regardless of what party you are with so, but for me in 2003, I decided my son was about a year old at the time. I needed to step back a little bit. You do kind of reach these like points of burnout. Well, at least I did. Not everybody does. And that's when I kind of entered the not-for-profit scene. And I did that for a number of years. And then when, after I had my second and then my third, I went back into government again, but at the federal level. Oh, so what is your education though? What, like, what qualifications did you have? You know to what? Work at the time, politics? I didn't have any qualifications in government. Um, I had gone to college unrelated, and then while I was in government, I did go back to school for public relations, and then I got a not-for-profit certificate as well. And did I you... actually went back to university just actually five, six years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. That I didn't know. Because I felt like I needed it. I felt like I had no credibility if I didn't do that, which was nonsense. But anyway. Do you find that your degree was uh, super important? Same. My degree was the biggest waste of four years and (laughs) $50,000. I I, I mean, I think I'm educated in a non-traditional way. Yeah. I gained so much experience through government and the people were amazing. And I'm very grateful for that experience. But I did reach a point where... You know, I always in the back of my mind wanted something more. I wanted to have a business of my own. And I think you just get comfortable. And I had three kids and a mortgage and all of the things. And it was scary. And so I kind of put it on the back burner, to be completely honest. And then I think as I approached 40, I I was like, holy shit, where did the time go? Yeah, I think everybody definitely starts feeling that at any point in life, but especially after you have kids you do kind of get this feeling of like, have I done enough? Like, what else do I need to do? What can I accomplish? I need to do more. And because you feel like now you have other people to mentor and encourage and give them opportunities. And mm-hmm. you as a whole kind of gets put on the back burner. Well, I don't have kids, but did you also find that like once they were grown, you were able to like have more time for yourself again and you're able to focus on that type of stuff? I think it's just diff- a different phase to be completely honest. Like, I think somebody put it really in the perfect way. They said when they're little, they're a handful. When they're older, they're a heartful. It's not that they don't need you. They just need you in a different way. So, yeah, I think you do get all consumed when they're small and then they start to get older and they need you less or just in in a different way. And, yeah, and that was something that I, I think I struggled with initially. I think with my oldest, when he hit that phase of, you know, wanting to spread his wings and 
become independent, I thought, oh my gosh, what what have I done? I've lost him. He's gone forever. <laughs> but you realize that it is a phase and it's just a different kind of time that you navigate. But yeah, there was, I definitely felt like I was getting some of that time back to myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized that it was kind of now or never. Yeah. And you also had two other ones that you could keep going with and <laughs> yeah. he was the lost cause at that you. point no 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 actually <laughs> and, and it's funny because now he's 17 and we're so close and I think they've learned a lot and I was really mindful as I started my business to include them in that because I think it's important there's a lot of lessons to learn through this whole experience and I thought mm-hmm. well if I'm going to do this I'm going to make sure that everybody is involved and fully understands what's happening and learns from it that's amazing and you know it's pretty ballsy to just pick up and change your career at any point in your life, let alone when you have three kids, when you already have establishments Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. And a very comfortable job that I'm sure made you financially comfortable and had a lot of security with it to just not have that anymore Mm -hmm. and kind of embark on a completely different adventure. Of course. And, you know, it was, it was a pension. It was, something I knew I was good at. I could do it forever. And I had to stop, not only give that up, but basically take everything I had built in in terms of our savings and risk all of it to start something new that I knew pretty much nothing about, to be honest. Like yes. I, I did the research and I, you know, but I didn't come from the industry. The hair industry was not something I was completely familiar with. I was as a consumer, yeah. but that's the extent of it. Your husband is very supportive. I don't yes. know if I would be so supportive. <laughs> I like to think I would, but imagine if your spouse came to you and was like, oh, by the way, I'm spending all of my savings, our savings. All of our savings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And taking this huge risk. Wild. Good for you guys, both of you. That's amazing. Yeah, he is very supportive. Very supportive. But at the beginning, you know, I had to say to him, I'm going to quit my job and open a blow-dry bar. And he was like, <laughs> Yeah, you have to what? say that initial thing out loud first. Yeah, yes. <laughs> But he knew how long it took me to get ready. He knew how I felt because I have a very deep personal connection with hair and makeup. And I, we went to New York City. I showed him kind of the, you know, where it's done right. And he got it. He understood it. He believed in me. And he was very, very supportive, even from just the research and the business plan and everything else. I think if anybody knows you though, they know that you're a very intelligent person. You're driven. You don't strike me as someone who would do anything half ass or just kind of like on a whim, except changing your entire career. (laughs) That aside, you do seem like someone who would do proper research, who would put all the right things in place before diving in completely. I think that like you're like that, Lauren. If you said, I just want to start this, I'd totally trust that. If I said this to people, they'd be like, shut up, go to bed. Like, what are you talking about? Makes no sense. <laughs> but well, some people it, are it just was, rational. <laughs> it was two years that I, I planned for it and did the research. So, you, really you know, it that. wasn't like I just said, yeah, you know what? Let's just give this a shot and see how it goes. Like, no, get drunk one day and walk into the bank. <laughs> like, I need a loan. <laughs> I need to take out all of my savings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you said that you had a really deep personal connection with hair and beauty. So I just want to talk a bit about that because is it something that stems from your childhood or just Mm -hmm. you just love it? You're Mm -hmm. just invested in the hair and beauty business? Because I know a lot of people, 
just love makeup. They love to do their makeup. They love to be creative with makeup. But then some people have other reasons. Yeah. So I was born with a rare deformity where the right side of my body is larger than the other. And I know you can look at me and you don't notice this, but it is definitely there. It is something that I struggled with my whole life. And initially I didn't know about it because as a little kid, you just, you're not aware. You don't pay attention. This is why kids are so carefree. But when I was probably very close to the age of my daughter, she's 11, I was probably a little younger. Other kids in the playground started to notice this and like pointed what? out. So they, they would notice, what's wrong with you? It's like, one, one of your legs is bigger than the other. Or why are you limping and things like that. And I, you know, there's some bullying that happened. And I went home and, and for the first time ever, I'll never forget it, looked in the mirror and I thought, holy shit, they're right. What's going on? And that's when we kind of went down this path with my family because they never made me feel different. It didn't hold me back. I was still doing all the things. Did they know? Oh, of course. It was very obvious. Like it's, okay. it was very, very obvious. And, and it was something that I had seen doctors about um, from the time I was born. So they did address it, like, as you grew, they said, Natalie, you know, this is Mm -hmm. what you're dealing with and something's different. So they just didn't just, like, ignore it and hope that you didn't ever notice. No, they didn't. And But to be honest, they didn't really know a lot about it. And so when I became aware of it and concerned and obviously very self-conscious as a young kid, um, we did go back and see specialists. And it went on for years and years and years. They weren't sure what to do. They didn't know if it would, the right side would stop growing. Would it balance out eventually? Would the right side just keep growing? And then, you know, they didn't know. So the, the last time I remember going to the specialist, I had high hopes. I thought, you know, they can do amazing things. Mm -hmm. I just had such high regard for these doctors. And I thought they're going to fix me. They're going to make me look like everybody else. And it's going to be fine. And I'll never forget it. The doctor looked at me and he says, you know what? Just be really grateful. You're a pretty girl and it didn't affect your face. Wow. And his intentions were good. They really were. But to me, that message said, hide your body and show your face. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. Well, you do have a beautiful face, but some doctors just have no bedside manner whatsoever. Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus. So and was, is it just like the length of your bones or were your like flesh wise? Was it bigger as well? Everything. Okay. It's bone, muscle, fat, everything. So did you need to wear different size shoes? Well, that was something they wanted me to do. So my shoes were different sizes, but they wanted me to wear like a lift. Mm. And I thought, well, that's just like putting me under a microscope. I didn't yeah. want that. Yeah. So as a kid, I stuffed socks inside my boots and my shoes to raise me up a little bit. Like I became very, very creative as a young kid just to try and hide it as best as I could because I I didn't want to be different. And I didn't, it wasn't like I could identify with somebody that had some sort of deformity or disability and you could relate to that group of people. There was nobody like me. I never saw anybody with this. So I think in my own mind, I started to stop showing my body. And I covered it up. And I did this until I was in my 30s. I can't imagine at that age having to be so aware mm-hmm. of your body and, and the, you know, quote unquote differences that you had 
with the like from the other children and other yeah. people like I, I feel like that would do something to you mentally for sure because oh it does you it removes that childlike behavior mm-hmm. and mentality and like you said that carefreeness because now you're self-conscious at such an early age which is obviously a bit of a problem now because everybody's comparing themselves to everybody else yeah. and yeah. it's always comparing themselves to something unrealistic unachievable mm-hmm. but you know and also at that age like you said you had a limp when you're trying to be a child trying to run around trying to play I guess it affects that as well and that mm-hmm. puts a, a big difference for you unfortunately right yeah it did it really did and it made me think about do I want to go to that pool party or am I going to be sick that day it really does oh, do a lot of things but you so know sad. in hindsight it is what it is mm-hmm. and really where the hair and makeup came into it was I I found confidence through that and it made me feel beautiful it made me feel like everybody else and it's not superficial some people say it is but it, it really isn't it's you look good you feel good and however Absolutely. you express yourself that is that's fine and Absolutely. I really did find a huge amount of my confidence came through experimenting in that way so did you do like crazy hair and makeup and stuff no I just I just really spent a lot of time just experimenting and just doing it and then I just felt like when I was feeling down it brought me back up And that's really where it translates into my business now. It's, listen, everybody has something. Everybody is dealing with something. Mm -hmm. There's something you don't like about yourself. There's something that's making you feel down. And when they come in and they get their hair done and they leave with a skip in their staff, that's what it's about. Absolutely. So, I mean, we haven't really talked about what your business is in depth, so... Just tell everybody a little bit about what Vent is. Yes. Yeah. So we are a blow-dry bar. So we just do styling. So blowouts, styling, updos, and makeup. We don't cut. We don't color. Um, It's really just about getting a really great quality service. But also above that, it's about the experience. It's not about, you know, pushing people through and getting as many people through as possible. It's really about slowing it right down and giving women this much needed time back to themselves, making them feel amazing, giving them that confidence to do whatever it is they need to go and do. And just, you know, really just make women feel amazing. That's like a perfect thing to have because normally the only time you have your hair blown dried and every you come out looking really good is after a cut or a color but you're what are you doing that a few times a year like so yeah. it's nice and is it really them. ever the best blowout you've ever had well personally yeah <laughs> I let if it was up to me I would leave with my hair wet because I don't want to do that but and it's not that they can't it's just that's not what their service is about they're there to cut and color your hair they usually get it blown out just to make sure is the color right is the cut right but they need to get on to the next person. Sometimes you get a really junior person doing it as well. So ours is about a great, great yeah. service, but also about the experience. And yes. that's why we have, that's why our decor is set up the way it is. It's it's not meant to feel like a full service salon. It's meant to feel like kind of a chic, fun place that you would want to go and hang out and just like have a glass of wine or a mimosa. I know. I love the bar that you guys have there. (laughs) That is very key. Yeah. 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 I've gotten to go to Vent a few times and it is 
a luxurious experience and the staff is incredible. They are experts at their skill. A hundred percent. I want to go every day, but unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've definitely created an environment that makes you feel like you're hanging out with your girlfriends, which is also just like another feel good vibe yeah. and women Love that. There's nothing more that most women love than to be able to sit, have a couple drinks, and chat Mm -hmm. with their ladies. And then you leave and your hair is done. And then it can last for a few days, too, when you get it nicely, like, professionally blow-dried. If it's done properly, it should last you. Yes. Yeah. That's really, that's the best part when you leave and it's done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And mimosas makes everything better. Sorry, that's (laughs) the best part. No, the service is the best. Oh, yeah, sorry. The service is the best part. So entrepreneurship isn't just a typical thing path people take. Is that something you're familiar with growing up? Did your parents have their own businesses? Actually, yes. My father was an entrepreneur. He started and ran his own architecture and design firm. And when I was a very young girl, I would go to work with him and trace drawings. And I always loved just knowing more about that. What was I tracing? What was this business? And he would tell me, you know, this is somebody's restaurant. This is somebody's, you know, dream that, you know, I'm I'm creating for them. And I would go with him on sites and see it all evolve. And I thought, this is amazing. You're building somebody's dreams for them. And for a long time, I wanted to do that. I thought I wanted to be an architect and build somebody's dreams for them. And then when I was 13, my father went missing in a really tragic boating accident and he was never found what and so that shifted my whole world like were you afraid of it a little bit like entrepreneurship or did it just change I never uh it was just in terms of my life it just it it turned it upside down you know we went from living a very comfortable life to having a really difficult life and I had to learn at a really young age how to be independent and just figure things out on my own. I mean, my mother was amazing and took care of my sister and I the best that she could. And I'm so grateful for that. She's a very, very strong woman. But I think it really just taught me that anything can happen. And you just really have to be in control of your own life. And I got a job when I was 13 at Lady Foot Locker because I thought I need to be able to kind of take care of myself a little bit here. Oh my gosh, that is something very um, tragic, tragic, heavy for a young person to go through on top of dealing with your challenges with your body and the deformity. Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine going through that and then having such a shakeup of your life, like the ultimate shakeup, losing a parent unexpectedly. Well, and knowingly he's missing still. Yes. Yes. Never found. But you know what? I think you can take these life experiences and either let them destroy you or let them empower you to just do things and live your life. And uh, it makes you stronger. And I truly believe like I, I don't believe in everything happens for a reason. But I think there's there's a lesson to be learned in everything that happens to you. And um, that's just kind of the outlook I've always had. And, you know, I think, yeah, so there is a little bit of entrepreneur in me. Of course. And no, I'm not an architect of somebody else's dreams. I guess I'm an architect of my own. Absolutely. And yeah, entrepreneurial 
spirit runs through you. I mm-hmm. mean, like you said, you could take that tragedy and let it destroy you, or you can learn from it and grow from it. And it's amazing that you took it and have built your own entrepreneur business. Yes, he would be proud. But yeah, so going back to just what led you there. So you had mentioned that you didn't really address your, what you call the deformities until your 30s, which is like a crazy amount of time to live with something. And you said you had children. So did you have, you were pregnant Mm -hmm. when this happened? And was that a worry? To back up a little bit, when I graduated high school, I had to have a surgery. Oh, okay. And that surgery was to lengthen my my left leg they they broke basically broke it at the bottom went through this whole process but it was basically a year of being bedridden oh my gosh um all my friends were going off to university and I was I knew that this was coming because they basically wanted to wait till I was done growing to see what was going to happen yeah and so at that point they had said okay well you're done growing we can address this because my spine was begun it was like scoliosis basically and I was in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. and so they had to address that so I did and it was a year of hell basically so you didn't really have much of a social life for that entire year no I didn't it was intense after that intense physiotherapy just to basically learn to walk again oh my gosh and build that muscle back and and everything else so and you had to do like what kind of contraption did you have so the best way I can describe it was they they had to break my leg and put these pins like bicycle spokes through the bottom so right near my ankle and then right below my knee and then they put this large brace around it it was hideous looking like really like I didn't want to go anywhere because it was such an eyesore like people were staring it was brutal like put pants around it you couldn't my mom had to take basically a pair of jeans cut it and then try and put another piece inside it but it was just I just you know what it was easier just to stay on yeah yeah it really was. And so, jeans are not the type of pants for that type of contraption. Like, no. Trackies. <laughs> yeah. It, nothing fit over it. It was large. It had sharp pieces on it. And then I had to basically turn these little knobs four times a day. And what that did was separated the bone from the top and the bottom to the distance that they wanted to lengthen the leg. And then it took the year for the bone to kind of regenerate. Was this your shin? Yes. So I have about 16 scars from the knee down. Wow. Can we see them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, so it's hard to see. Just looking at Natalie's. There we go. Oh, I should have shaved scars. my legs. You know, that would have been a nice thing. <laughs> I'm sure you uh, weren't anticipating it. Like, see, for example, the scar tissue stuck in there. Yeah. So it's still. Wow. <laughs> Party tricks. <laughs> <laughs> As Natalie just shows us her scars. <laughs> yeah. Her scars. But it did tear jumping because the, the, the leg was being lengthened, it tore the skin. So there's some bad scarring that I have mostly up here. That's pretty put minor, like, though. Yeah, you can put a tattoo on it or something. Yeah, a full leg tattoo. That Why not? Really sweet. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm a little beyond that. Uh, you can get a leg sleeve. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Is that what they're called? But you know what? For a long time, that was the other thing. It's like, just cover it up. Then nobody's going to ask any questions. You don't have to get into it. Because I was, um, it was, I was so in my own head. And because I spent my whole life hiding this, it just became second nature. And it wasn't that I intended 
or wanted to, it was just, it was ingrained in me almost. And so yeah, severe body image issues, right? Yeah. Um, Especially that age too. I mean, everyone has them at that age to begin with. And then add mm-hmm. in something else, right? And then something that you can't control. And then yeah. because I had built this kind of barrier, nobody knew about it. So it was almost hard to come out, so yeah. to speak. Anyways, it did get to the point where it became such a burden to hold. And I was tired of hiding. And then I had my kids. And I mean, my immediate family didn't know. Like my my, my sister, my mom... But my extended family, like my husband's family, nobody knew about it. I hid it all. Did your husband know? Not initially. When did you tell him? Um, Many years after we were married. Which I'm sure he could So supportive. But again, it was in my head that who would love me if I told them? Like, I still have never met a person to have this. Wow. And did they talk about other documented cases? For the, so you could potentially be the only no, one? No, I'm not. I'm sure okay. I'm not because I've since kind of found other... It, it can it can display itself in different yeah. ways. Sometimes it's just a limb. Sometimes it's, a, it's one side of the face. Um, so for yeah. you, it's just your limbs? Just your limbs? Everything. From shoulder from down? down? Like boob? Yeah. Everything. You, you... Everything is different. Everything is different. So foot size, everything. So yeah, buying clothes was a challenge. So I, long story short, I did really become a master of disguise. I really did. I changed schools when I was young, created all new friends. It was bad. But yeah, I got to the point where I got tired of it. And I had my kids and I thought, I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. I want to hide. I, you know, I, it broke my heart to imagine my daughter going through anything like that. So I think I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, this is me and, um, that's it. That's the end of it. I learned how to use exercise and fitness to try and build up the muscle a little bit and do things that I could. And I still work at that every day. So was it something that you were concerned about that may pass on to yes. your children? Yeah, absolutely. Was that part of what prompted you to kind of face it and come out with it? Yes, absolutely. Everything? And I did um, I did go see some, some doctors over the years just to see if it was something genetic that perhaps they could carry and then give to their kids. And it seems to be that it's not. It's not something that they need to worry about. So, Well, that's good. Yeah. But I guess, like, just mm-hmm. the fact that you know, this is something you carried as a burden for so long that I guess you could call it, you felt ashamed of. Yeah. Right. And yeah, like we all feel ashamed of different things or embarrassed about different things, but that is something so heavy that obviously played a part into more of the need to compensate in that Mm -hmm. sort of beauty, like ideal where you push forward being, that picture-perfect girl, but hid the body. Yeah, yeah. And then I just got to the point where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this. And, I, and then I thought, well, I want to create a business where all women feel that they can come and be beautiful, no matter who you are. And it's crazy because I see them all the time. They come in and they're, you know, self-conscious about something. And they're carrying this with them, and it's, it's heartbreaking. And to just have them come in, like you said, it feels like you're coming in and hanging out with your girlfriends. 
we get reviews, we get calls, I get emails where women will say, you made me feel so good. Aww. You made me feel like I could go and go to that high school reunion or I could go to that whatever it was that they were just so dreading because of something that they were hanging on to. It's amazing how feeling self-conscious about something doesn't just like affect you mentally, but the physicality of it. Like, yes. I know even myself, if you're having a bad day and you, you know, you're just not feeling good about yourself or there is something dragging you down, you, you look like you are you're being dragged down, you're slouched, your face mm-hmm. is drawn. And then after having a great experience, like one that you would get from vent, you literally walk out floating yeah (laughs) standing taller yes a full smile like it doesn't just change the like your hairstyle or a little bit of extra makeup you actually completely transform into sort of this better version of yourself Mm -hmm. because you feel better and like I think we take that for granted and it's something that as a mom especially as a new mom um you know you get caught up in this Oh, like it's just so much work to jump in the shower. It's too much work to do my hair. It's Mm -hmm. too much work to put on some makeup. And you get in that rut where you don't make those little efforts in the day. And then you start to get down on yourself, which I think contributes to, you know, some of the mommy blues. Mm -hmm. And, but then you finally find a reason or you just push yourself to do it and you throw on some makeup and you do your hair and your whole day changes. Like you feel energized. You're ready to deal with a screaming baby all day or you are ready to face the world and go yeah. to the store. It's, it's, it's really quite amazing how just feeling, just looking a little bit better changes everything about your personality, at least in that moment. And I think it's just, we all, we just need to embrace who we are and Absolutely. we are all beautiful in our own unique ways and, and just to be proud of that. And I really just wanted, I felt I felt I, maybe I needed to mature. Maybe I needed to have kids. I don't know what it was, but I felt like I've been given this for a reason and I need to share it because if there's one person that's sitting there struggling with something, then me sharing my story is is worth it. Yeah, because you, you can see that in how you carry yourself at your work. You know, it's one thing to start a business that you like the idea of, you like doing hair, but you can tell that you have a passion behind that. And it, I think that's why you're successful. I think that's why people leave feeling so happy. And Yeah, you feel it in the space. Like, you feel that there's true... The empowerment. Yeah, exactly. And love and compassion and understanding and a camaraderie amongst women. Yes. Good vibes only. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what? Vibes. It goes beyond that. It's even with my team. I encourage them to just be who you are. You know, I have one one of my employees, and she has some really beautiful tattoos. And initially, I didn't know because she covered them because in a previous place she worked, she wasn't allowed to show them. Mm-hmm. And I and she asked me, she says, "Okay." I said, "This is who you are. Of course, it's okay." Yeah. Be you. Acceptance, and yeah. we talk about that a lot on our show and in mm-hmm. previous episodes, like just about allowing yourself to just be a human. Yes. Um, we think that people have to just get to that point. Like that is what we are Mm -hmm. and it is okay. Like we are human and you have to be accepting of that with whatever quirks or differences you have. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Yeah, That's what the, the happiest people I find are always saying they practice, you know, acceptance of themselves, of others and gratitude and things like that. And 
it, it seems to be the key to the happy happiness I guess. yeah no judgments yeah. and and it's a and what for why are we judging everybody else and yeah. why are we critical and, and it doesn't do anything for ourselves and we're, but we're the hardest on ourselves which is like so insane mm-hmm. if you think about it like people are abusive to themselves all the time and it's sad it's, it is it's crazy if there's a lot of comparison and mm-hmm. listen I grew up you know and you look at who's in the magazines and that never represented me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I thought in order to be successful, you have to be quote unquote beautiful and normal and all of these things, because that's what I believe to be true. And the thing is, I was always very confident. I was always very independent except for this piece. And I thought, well, if I can cover up this piece, then People will believe me, right? But I fit in. I didn't think that they would believe that I was these things if I wasn't normal. Yeah. So I obviously you you get past this and you realize that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But we do get in our own heads and But um, it's not ridiculous in the moment. It's not. And no, it isn't. And it was those real. words that were put in my head that I took very literally to mean like just cover up. Yeah, I think we're still constantly comparing and now we have even like a plethora of things to compare to depending on what category you may consider yourself in and this continuous strive and need for perfection or to look a certain way Mm -hmm. because that is the only way to look. And Again, we talk about this a lot. Like, it's just so unrealistic, and we live in this sort of fake world where we're trying to constantly achieve something that isn't achievable. Maybe for like a certain individual, like, I'm never gonna have a certain body type, I'm never gonna be 5'10 and yeah. you know, the tiny measurements all the way down. I'm only 5'2, mm-hmm. I'm a curvy girl, like, you know, so looking at pictures of supermodels and, and just desiring to look like that is just not attainable for me. I'm right. never going to look like that. Right. So it's really, I, you know, as a woman, I think these challenges are something we're always all going to face. Yes. And it's just, I think the more we talk about acceptance and the more information is out there and the more, you know, support that is available and saying like, this isn't, there isn't one type of beauty and you're perfect and in as, as close to perfection as you can be because mm-hmm. you're you. Mm-hmm. Well, and perfect isn't necessarily something that we all should strive for. No. That's what makes us different, right? So that's what's really cool about your place, having, you know, lots of girl bosses in there, mm-hmm. bigging each other up, making each other have those good vibes, and, and good for you. If we have more places like that, I think that's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Environments it's, it's, where everyone's... And that's what makes it so unique and fun. And, and to be honest, like... When I was beginning to speak about Vent and what we were about, I didn't initially think that my story was important. But as I started to talk about it, I realized it is so important because that is what drives me every day to create this business and what we really stand for. Mm -hmm. And if I can't be authentic in who I am, then who am I to try and make anyone else feel that way? So that's why I think it's important to share it. That's why I think you know what, it's okay to, to not be, you know, quote unquote perfect because no, nobody is. And if I can just resonate with people in that way, then it's all worth it. So of course, I'm sure this was like 
a year long journey for you to get to this place, but do you overall feel like a huge weight off your shoulders, not worrying about that anymore? Oh yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I've kind of come to terms with it and recognized that this is me and this is who I am and I'm, I'm okay with it. It's been a while, but I haven't really felt the need to broadcast it. Right. There was never really a reason like to walk into a room like, like hey everyone. everybody guess <laughs> what <laughs> but I feel like entrepreneurship has changed me in a lot of ways and this is definitely one of them it's given me a platform to speak about it and to share it and I hope that you know I can help somebody somewhere that's struggling so your story is definitely inspiring because I think there's probably millions of people that live with some kind of fear and maybe irrational shame. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, it, you know, it wouldn't be irrational to them. And I'm certainly not trying to minimize anybody's insecurities. Uh, but I think instead of being confident to come out and talk about it because they feel like they'll be judged and criticized, you're helping to do that, helping to bring people out and talk about whatever it is that they're feeling insecure about and helping just generate more acceptance among women and maybe even getting men to kind of like understand what goes on inside a woman's head Um, in terms of just like that need to feel accepted and beautiful Mm -hmm. um, because I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because of that we want to we think that they want us to look a certain way and we have to meet certain expectations and if they are showing the support about like, Hey, I love you for you. This is not about whatever, mm-hmm. you know, deformity or difference or whatever you have, then that I think will breed more like confidence and acceptance and like people in themselves. Like I struggle with having stretch marks after having kids and it's just a totally natural thing it's out of my control, yeah. but I was used to a certain type of body for, you know, over 25 years. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it was different and yes. yeah. it's still a struggle yeah. for me, but I have those two. So I get oh, it. That's the thing. <laughs> Most women that have had children have them in some way, but it's just so interesting to have that struggle with yourself. And like, I will say for me, hate something about myself. For a long time. Like, I'm mm-hmm. definitely more over it now, but it's still not my favorite. No, <laughs> like, and that's okay. You probably have good days and bad days. Absolutely. Right? And I, mm-hmm. I have those, too, with everything. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I'm just not going to deal with that today. And, and, and then that's and okay. that's fine. That's, that's self-preservation. Fine. Yeah. You know, that's just getting through. And that's mm-hmm. quite all right to put that, you know, those yeah. insecurities off to the side for a bit. But, Laura, going back to what you said about guys, I think it's um, funny. And I think it's true that a lot of women think that guys care about this stuff but key in point here you told your husband about it uh, after how many years together yeah and he did was, not know he didn't know so obviously <laughs> it that's a whole issue in itself but um men don't <laughs> see these things the yeah. same way that women do but then once i realized that it didn't matter yeah and he's so supportive and he he's actually been one of the biggest advocates for me to share this story more and more and it's important too I mean I was a little bit nervous initially being very very out there and open with it with my kids because 
you know, I didn't want them to feel embarrassed or anything like that. So I did have discussions with each of them and I said, Hey, you know that I have this and that. And they're like, yeah, like, it's not, a, it's not an issue for them. And, but I said, is, are you okay if I talk about it? Are you okay if I, you know, put it out there a little bit? Mm -hmm. And they were totally fine with it. And I think that too teaches them a lot Yeah. about, yeah. you know, just being accepting of everybody. And so it's been, it's been quite a, a journey. <laughs> well, I would definitely think you'd be an inspiration to them. I mean, here's their mom who has dealt with something that was a real challenge for you for most of your life and now have the confidence and, and being empowered by yeah. this confidence to come out and talk about it. And then also making a career change later in life after you've already established a very good career like you are an inspiration you're something to look up to like I think that is spreading such a great message that your kids are probably taking without maybe you noticing or them ever saying anything because I know kids aren't usually like go way to go mom way to go dad <laughs> you're really you're well, really they killing do. it they actually really do they're very supportive and you know, my daughter started her own little business on the side. Aww. She makes dog treats. And uh, she Aww. just always says, I just want to be just like you. I mean, she's also 11. So oh we'll God. see how she is when she's 16. Yeah, but in a couple more years. Um, <laughs> hold on to that for now. Yeah. I feel yes. like there's no better feeling than hearing that. But. You know, but <laughs> even when, when I have a win or something is exciting going on, my boys are the first to say, Congrats, mom. That's awesome. You know, so it's really nice. It's, it's nice that they're paying attention, but I do really involve them in everything. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to just talk about all of the things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, because I don't want them to get a skewed perception of, of how it is either. So yeah, it's, it's not been, uh, the, the people closest to you are usually are the ones that you vent to or whatever. Yeah. So of course you want them to see the positives of entrepreneurship, but, um, I wanted to just say, it's. I think it's so uh, really admirable that you did take something that you were insecure about or, you know, was an, it was a hard part of your life and used it to motivate you to kind of go in the exact opposite direction. Yes. Um, and then once you're there, you celebrate all of those things and you're proud of it. So that's yeah. all around super admirable. Thank you. Yeah. And you're sharing it with other women. And I think that's just what the world needs. It's just more women support <laughs> women support like a lot this is like so such positive like girl on girl empowerment and I just I love it I love it all it's been honestly the most refreshing part of all of this it was something that I didn't expect and it's just been amazing the friendships that I've made the people I have met I feel like the lives we've been a part of is it's just been so rewarding I think refreshing is a good word there because Sometimes interactions with, you know, everyone else, but other women especially can be, um, you know, not the nicest sometimes if yeah. people are not in good spaces. So when you can have those good experiences and even with stranger women, like, that you don't know, mm -hmm. and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because usually your girlfriends are, are your biggest fans and they get your back, but then when you're interacting with other women and it's not a catty atmosphere or, mm -hmm. or you know, competitive and it's just like nice and refreshing that's that's cool yeah. I'm so into this idea <laughs> I love it yeah. I think that is what we as women are usually afraid of that we won't be supported but 
in my experiences sharing different things and, and meeting new women and networking and stuff, you find that they are just so supportive. Like everybody yeah. is rooting for you. You have this little cheerleading squad of people you don't really know, but they just want you to succeed because you want them to succeed. And it's just like this kind of corny circle of love. <laughs> it is. And it's, I think it's counterintuitive what people think about women. Absolutely. In my experience anyways, it's just been all great. Well, we're portrayed that way, right? We're portrayed to be bitchy. And if you're a boss, it's because you're a bitch and you've stepped on everybody to get to the top and you will knock down your fellow woman to make it mm-hmm. instead of... Well, because that does happen. It of does. course it does. It does. But uh, you know what? You just hit on something there, Laura, about how the differences between women bosses and, and, and men bosses um, and the characteristics that each one have. And usually, um, like... The women, of course, are bitchy or, you know, aggressive and men are, you know, strong and mm-hmm. and capable. But I think, I wonder who are making those. Um, Generalizations. Is it other yeah. men? Is it men to women making that decision mm-hmm. to call them aggressive or crazy? Mm-hmm. Or is it other women feeling that way? Because I don't really know. If I see a woman boss, I'm not really thinking, oh, my God, she's a crazy bitch. I'm more like, wow, <laughs> she's a boss bitch. Like, I want to be like, like her. her. Yeah. I think, to be honest, in a lot of cases, it's women are intimidated by women who are successful well, sometimes. Yeah, and, any... and it's you make – I think women generalize and say, well – you know, she's unapproachable or she's, you know, super successful because she did exactly those things. She had to step on everyone to get there. But that is just not the case. Maybe in some cases, just like there are some male bosses that are horrible. My experience has not been that. All of my bosses, mostly male, have always been supportive. They still are to this day. And um, I think everyone's has individual experiences but mine have always been a person because I've had men and women bosses obviously yeah and both of which I've had great experiences with and then you get the odd person who is just a dick man or woman and it's not the best (laughs) so I don't really differentiate between that but Mm -hmm. I like you said something important there that when you're intimidated by other people which is insecurity which is your own thing has nothing to do with you know that boss or that individual right you make assumptions about yeah. people and I think yeah. even in my case people look at my business and think oh you know she must have a rich husband or a rich uncle died or something happened they don't think like no it was it was hard to get there and it took a lot of sacrifice and there's no rich anybody involved it's all me you know but they they do they they look at people and they they just see where you are now and they don't think about how you what you had to do to get there. Well, that's always the case is we see everything on the surface. Mm -hmm. And until you actually take the time to dive in and learn about something, you naturally make those assumptions. And that's going back to just like when you meet a group of women in say like a, you know, a women's networking event and you talk to them and you do find out that they're actually all really amazing and they're to support each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just taking that time to like actually ask the questions and meet the people instead of looking at them just on that very surface level. Absolutely. Assuming they have a rich husband. Where are all these rich husbands, by the way? <laughs> you are rich in support though. Yeah. You are oh, really oh, lucky. I couldn't do it without them. I mean, yeah. obviously just the risk that we had to take, but there's so much that goes on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Yes. 
you know. I'm sure you support him too. Yes, <laughs> and he works a full-time job, and he's a great dad, and um, I couldn't do it, honestly, without him. I'm, all the repairs would have to be done. Like, I mean, it's the after hours, the two of us are yeah. there fixing all kinds of things, so it's a partnership. It really is, yeah. and it comes right down to just our marriage and what we're about and believing kind of in each other we are and yeah i'm sure you would have found a way to do it on your own but it's nice that he's there with you and enjoying it with you as well right yes i mean there's a lot of ups and downs so if you don't have the support of of your partner i really don't know how it would work mm-hmm. to be honest it's uh there's definitely a lot of the ups and downs <laughs> well i mean that's just life there's going to be struggle yeah. where there's successes and usually yeah. there isn't success without the struggle mm-hmm. but it's how you face them and how you deal with them and you're so lucky that you have someone that is ready to face them with you yeah and which leads to the success so with that being said like if somebody came to you today and was like natalie i want to start my own business but i just i just don't feel like I can do it? Like, what What would you tell them? What is your biggest words of inspiration? I think everybody can absolutely do it. Um, you, you, But you really, like, you have to attach it to a passion. You can't just... There's so much that you have to give up. There's a lot of sacrifice. You have mm-hmm. to have grit. And yeah. you have to really love it. Because it's hard. It's really hard. And if you don't truly love it and you're not really attached to a really strong why, I don't know how. Because there's times where I'm just like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then I just go back to why I'm doing it. And then I feel rejuvenated again. But if I didn't have that strong passion behind it, it would be really hard to do this every day. You can see that in how you um, carry yourself with your business, that you do have that passion. So... I, I can totally see. And if you didn't, like, you'd be like, okay, I'm done. And then you wouldn't even care, right? Yeah, and it's not just that. It's leading a team. It's, it's you know, it's a job for them, but they have to, in order to be successful and have a team that supports, they have to believe it too. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to believe it if I don't believe it. You have to want it the most. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. Yes. From the top, you have to want it the most and you have to be the go-to person. And I'm sure that gets like exhausting too. Like you have to have all the answers. You have to figure everything out. You have to be there for everybody. I could imagine just wanting to give up some days, but like you said, the passion and the grit, which is something I hear from entrepreneurs a lot, grit. That's Mm -hmm. a word that is really, I've noticed used a lot. When yeah, describing you just have it. to be tenacious for what you want because, yeah, there's times that are going to test you, really, really test you. <laughs> <laughs> really, really test you. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? My team fuel me as well. Yeah. You know, when you have all these amazing humans that are fully supportive of your vision, I mean, that's awesome. It's kind of cool that you're you're able to build a team like that, though. You can have, like, the the best people around you, the people that you've chosen and want near you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Well, they share your passion and they yes. sense it from you and that fuels them and they fuel you. I mean, it just comes full circle. And I don't think you could ask for anything more when you're in a business that you're passionate about because so often you work in a job and you are not working with like-minded people and you're not sharing a passion with somebody. And you can really sense that and it changes the environment that you work in when that is the case. And so 
when you are in that environment where everybody comes in every day, like excited, happy, obviously people have their bad days, but for the most part, they're happy to be there. They're excited to build the brand and the business with you. And we support each other through those days, to be honest. Like it's, there's days that everybody has and we Um, we're, we're like a little family and it's really refreshing. And look, I can have a vision and I can build a beautiful space, but it's them that have to do the hard work right? They're the experts that are there providing the service. And without them, I wouldn't have anything. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm really grateful for the team that I have. Do you think you'll ever get certified to do hair? I I can do hair. I have been doing hair a long, long time. <laughs> um, but I don't know that that's really the passion I have is to do it for other people, to be honest. No, I don't, I don't have that passion to go and do it. <laughs> You just like to provide the space. Yeah, yeah, and create the parameters yeah, and the expect this the high standards that we have. You know, um, that's really important, and I think my team has really helped me to define that as well because I do rely on them a lot to help us to evolve and yeah, be the sure. best. And I think that helps them to feel empowered in, in what they're doing as well. You should do, um, I recommend hair blow-drying workshops. Yes, to definitely. To teach people how to do that. I can, I've never once blow-dried my hair. I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. It seems like an unsurmountable task. Yeah. We have clients that either don't know how, mm-hmm. they don't want to, mm-hmm. or they just don't have the time. So it's, it's a full circle. It's all the above. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. I would love to know how just to get you through on those days that you need it like otherwise you're doing this all the time on the days I can't get to vent yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but my hands just don't work that way like Mm -hmm. I just cannot coordinate the blow dryer and the brush and then the mirror too it's hard in the mirror trying to do stuff and behind your head I don't know yeah (laughs) and then if you can do it you're probably doing the same thing you're less likely to try something new so if you can come to a place like vent the girls are going to encourage you to do something that you wouldn't otherwise do because Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you try absolutely and sometimes clients leave and they're like i love it i've never tried this and i love it and now it's their favorite hairstyle so until they need to try something new (laughs) yeah and we try our regular clients we encourage them to try something different each time and You know, and that's why we have a consultation built into our service so that we can sit down and say, okay, Lauren, where are you going tonight? What are you wearing? You know, what do you, what do you like about your hair? What do you not like about your hair? Because some people are super self-conscious about something Mm -hmm. and in the stylist, if they know all of these things, they can kind of create something that's going to make you feel your best. Well, each time you go, it's a customization, which is amazing. And that's what I wanted to ask you is like, what is different about Bent? Like why, what sets you apart? So I think for us, it is that is typically, um, in a full service salon, it's the last thing to happen. It's usually done pretty quick. There's not a whole attention, a lot of of attention to detail and the finishing of it just because of the time aspects. And then there's other places that are more about being express service. So for me, I I wanted to create a space that wasn't, you didn't feel rushed. You didn't feel like you were being pushed through. Mm-hmm. So we slow it right down because it's not just about the service. It's also about the experience. So in order to do that, we, we start with a consultation and that is to address any concerns that our clients have with their hair, whether it's 
whatever it is. I mean, there's a full range of things that could be. Um, so we sit and we talk about it. We talk about where they're going. We talk about, you know, things that they like, things they don't like. And, um, and then we go off and we get the wash done. Every service includes a scalp massage because honestly, that's the best, the best part. (laughs) A lot of places it's an add on. But for me, I feel like that's where clients are really going to just relax. Yes. Yeah. Let it all go. And you can see it happening. Yeah. You, you can, can see it happen. You can I'm see some here, women walk like, in and they're just a hot mess, yeah. ready to like blow a gasket. And then as soon as you sit them down, they put their stuff down, they go get their wash and their scalp massage. They just feel like, okay, I'm ready. And, and then, you've got friends on usually. Usually it's Can't friends. Not love watching that. Your favorite Beyonce songs going in the background. And then, yeah, of course, our setup is very different. So you're sitting at the style bar. So it's not meant to feel like a full service salon. And that's because we're not meant to replace your stylist. We're there to fill the gap in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the mirrors are behind you. And that's intentional because your hair kind of looks worse before it gets better. Oh my God. Did you see that meme? And it's the girl sitting at the, with your hair wet and you have the cape on and it's like, nobody's ever looked uglier than you do in this exact moment. (laughs) But it's your bald, like your wet head. It's so, I've never felt nice in that moment. No. Ever. It is actually very hard to look at yourself when you look like that. And I don't know why, because I'll get out of the shower and be like, okay, there's wet hair just Because it's we're so cape. critical it's of ourselves. I know, and I will sit there for the whole two hours. Like, she'll be doing my hair, and I'm like, trying to look around her in the mirror to be like, ew, what is <laughs> happening right now? It's so ugly. It's the cape. When you're cut off at the neck, <laughs> and that black <laughs> cape is covering the right, re- you have no body. And you're bald. It's and you look just head. Slick back hair. Oh and often, like, your makeup's a little bit off because, or if you're wearing any, because the water's, like, I don't know. It's a whole hideous no, moment. whenever I go to the salon, which I, uh, oh, that's a whole other thing. But whenever I do, I'm like, make sure your makeup is done. You're wearing your best outfit right now because you're not going to hate yourself in that chair. And then I go and look there, I'm like, ah, it's even worse. Still hate myself. <laughs> But anyway. then you leave and, yeah. So, <laughs> for those reasons. <laughs> Take it back on you. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> you sit at the bar and the mirrors are behind you. Yes, that makes and a lot of it's, sense. Really, you just have no choice but to just take in what's going on. So, it's the TVs or it's you're ordering a drink. You're chatting with another uh, client that's sitting there or a stylist or myself a mm-hmm. lot of the times. And that's where people start to interact with each other. It's yeah. when you're in this individual station you're not talking to people around you it's very social and that's what we wanted vent that's what women do when we're together we vent right 100 it feels good to vent and women are talking to each other half the time if there's an event in the city they're going to the same one i mean it just creates a whole different experience that encourages that kind of dialogue amongst each other and you know some clients sit there and they laugh out loud because it's a funny episode or it's a movie that they've seen some people fall asleep really <laughs> like it just depends the time of day and then we have the charging station like the yeah. usb plug in front of each station so some women early morning 7 a.m they're they're working on something because they're coming to get their blowout because they're going to do a big presentation or they're speaking at a big mm. engagement or whatever that is so they're preparing. It's different times of day. It's different kind of um, experience. So and just building that confidence up for them. Yeah. So that's how we're different, and we really slow it down. And um, 
I mean, I could go into details of how we do each blowout, but basically we spend the time to really smooth out the hair prior to doing any kind of hot tool. Whereas in some cases, I mean, the girls will say if, if you're under pressure, you're going to rough dry, you're going to blow dry, and then you're going to rely on those hot tools to create the style. But that's not a style that's going to have any longevity. Oh, is that the trick? Yeah. Hair has to be dry, 100% dry, smoothed out. You should be able to smooth out the hair with a brush alone. So create a look with a brush and your hot tools just kind of add that final touch. I've definitely learned that after having an experience at Vent for the first time and understanding the difference because my blowout did last and it looked completely different. Not that my blowouts at for, through my stylist or other salons were bad, but there was a noticeable difference. Mm. The longevity was the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely times of, you, you, you know, the girls are great, but they're not magicians. So if it's like 85% <laughs> humidity outside, there's not a lot we can do about that. Um, but we do try and do our best to create a style that's going to last for wherever people are going. Mm -hmm. So having all of those elements together is what I think makes us unique and creates that different experience. And you just can't not feel good after you leave there. You just can't. Like well, good. That makes me happy to hear that. It's very true. <laughs> that's, and... that's the motive. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a great place, a great service, a great vibe, and we need more of them. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that's how you feel. A hundred percent. So this was so amazing having you here and hearing your story. And I think you're going to inspire a lot of people and we're excited to help get your story out there. And hopefully it does inspire some women to make some changes and maybe embark on a completely new adventure at a time in their life that maybe you wouldn't think to embark on something mm -hmm. new. Well, mm -hmm. any age, clearly anyone yeah. can do anything they want. I was 43 <laughs> kids a mortgage, all of the things that would, you know, typically say, you'd say, hell no, but you know what, it can be done. Anyone can do it. And um, I'm happy to help anyone who perhaps wants some advice to well, do that. Then you're, you just being so happy uh, after this decision is inspiring enough. Definitely. Thank you. You are that meme right now that's out there a lot is it's not too late and you're never too old or you're never too old and it's not too late. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is 100% true and you're proving it. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here, Nat. It was so great. Thank you. Thank you so much. We love you. Love <laughs> you too. So tell everyone where they can find you. Yes, so Vent is located in Liberty Village in Toronto, our first location, hopefully of many. <laughs> yes. And um, we are Vent Blow Dry Bar on, that's our website, it's our Instagram, it's our Facebook. And then I am mostly on Instagram myself at I'm dot Natalie James. And please follow us at Herspective underscore podcast on Instagram and send us all your DMs, questions, feedback, and please review, rate, and subscribe. Thanks so much, Nat. Thank, Thank you, you, ladies. Bye. Bye.